it's always funny when I'm at work and I get like five to ten text messages in a row. I'm like, either someone in my family died or Lisa's watching the L word. <laughs> it's so true though. <laughs> or Battlestar Galactica. It fair. could be Battlestar fair, fair, Galactica. Fair. Yeah. Sometimes I'm messaging you about the episode, but yeah. <laughs> Lately, it's been more about the L word. It's true. Specifically about characters I don't even know because I haven't watched as far as you. But you're gay. <laughs> I'm so confused. Don't they just, doesn't it just happen? Like, it's like when you're, when you find out you're a Cylon and you're just like, oh my God, I'm a Cylon. And then you just know. Now things. I have to, I have to believe in the one true Cylon God. Yeah. And abandon everything I ever knew. Isn't it the um, same I'm when you find sure. out you're gay? Like, I assume like there's a song playing somewhere, probably Alanis Morissette, and it like triggers your gayness. And then. Alanis Morissette is a specific subsection of gay. I know, but, but yes, I mean, sure. I was just trying to think of you know <laughs> someone, and then all for of for me sudden... it's the Indigo Girls. That's my that's okay. as gay as it gets for me. Okay, well, yeah. So Indigo Girls song plays, and then something triggers inside of you, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you know all about the L word. Um, happens. Yeah, basically, and you don't really need to know anything else about like gay history or queer culture. Just no, no, no. just the plot points of the L word. Yeah, that's it. Generally, and it just downloads into you. Yeah, when you're triggered. Sure, that's how it works. Yeah, you totally get it. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. <laughs> Pride Month, everybody. We had to learn. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. You cannot play God then wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later day comes and you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore welcome back to another week of beers beats and battlestar galactica where we your co-hosts kaylee and lisa take you through the sci-fi original series battlestar galactica episode by episode and occasionally episode episode by episode episode yeah this time we did two um, and we drink beer. Yeah. I've got a delicious beer I'm enjoying today. We have so many beers. Oh, I threw away the one can already, but I took a picture of it. We are hyper prepared as a podcast. <laughs> Lisa in particular. Me in particular, who did not really take notes this week because it's only been, spoiler alert, two days since we recorded the last one. And I am leaving the country in two days and everything is stressful. Everything is stressful. Everything is not cool at all right now. Anyway, so I'm drinking a Foley Brothers Brewing. It's called the Big Bang. Yeah. From Vermont. Which I got because I, I guess the Cylon ship exploded. I guess that's why. Big Badaboom. Even better. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm currently drinking. I'm currently drinking... Uh, Stillwater Artisanal Sour Ale, which is called ASMR, which I got because like half of one of these episodes is people listening to Guy's Balter on the radio, and I think his voice is very soothing. It's like that episode of Black Books. Wait, you've never seen Black Books? Mm -mm. But for our listeners who have, and I'm sure some of you have, there is an episode where Fran is like really obsessed with this guy's voice, and he has a radio show about like boats or something like it's really something really boring but she turns it on just to pleasure herself (laughs) and then he finishes the show before she's done and so she calls him and he's like fran is that you fran and she's like oh oh, 
<laughs> on the phone. It's really good. Black Box is excellent. You'd really like it. I'll check it out. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Nice. And then for later in the episode, we have more beers because why not? All um, the beers. We have Time Juggler by Fifth Hammer Brewing Co., which is really cute because it has a little alarm clock with um, that's doing... It's juggling asparagus? I think it's juggling I mean, hops. sorry, artichokes? I think it's juggling hops. Oh, it looks like artichokes to me. <laughs> no, um, but it's beer. <laughs> it's beer. It's from Long Island City, just like Kaylee. Uh, Long Island City's in Queens. Okay. So, mis- oh. misnomer. Fuck, I was thinking Long Island. But close. But yes, you're right. Long Island City. I should know better than that. I've been here for a fucking year. <laughs> uh, and then we have this... What is this? What hugs? Big hugs. Big hugs. From our friends at Half Acre. We've had Half Acre before. It's an imperial stout with coffee and vanilla. Which I'm Half Acre. Yeah. So time juggler I got because there's a lot of like clock countdowns going on in these episodes. And big hugs I got because that seems to be Gaius Baltar's method of like religious therapy. It's like, I'm sorry your whole family died. Would it help you to get a hug from a handsome man in a robe? Correct. Yes. Usually. These were all of my um, inspirations for today's beer selection. That's great. I love it. Thanks. Thanks for grabbing beers, Kaylee. My pleasure. The The guy at the fancy beer store now knows me well enough to not card me. So. Oh, that's good. No Does he know there. what your purpose is finding a beer? Oh, he doesn't. He's never asked. Because I've never of, volunteered it. Okay. Because it's really fun to tell beer shop owners. I used to do it back home. I was like... Cool. So I'm looking for one with themes of someone dying or maybe this name. And they're like, what is your purpose here? And I'd be like, well, and then they they love it. They love it. It's a good fun challenge. No, but they know when I come in, I'm going to spend like 10 to 15 minutes staring into their coolers like a little weirdo. That's fine. But then I'm usually the only one doing that. The other day, there were two guys who are in there being just as weird in particular as me. Maybe they have a podcast about beer also. But I was like, this is my space to obsessively look at all the (laughs) beer cans and turn them around so I can see the the name of every single one. Yeah. Well, how dare they? I have a problem with decisions. Fuck the patriarchy, man. (laughs) Sure. Sorry. I wanted to make it about that and it wasn't. But it felt fun to do it. Sometimes just when men do things. All the time, fuck the patriarchy. In this case... It, there, it was very equal kind oh, of yeah. a situation. It's fine. I just, I just, just both personally find it fun to just be mad at them because it's funny. I'm not really mad. Fair. But they're coming in and taking over your thing. So. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'll allow it. Oh, by the way, Ronald D. Moore is going all out on this episode on the podcast. He's ringing McAllen cask strength. He didn't know what that meant, Ooh. which is really funny because when he takes his first tip, he's like, holy shit. <laughs> it's just like, I did not expect that. Um, he's also doing the podcast outside because why the fuck not? He's like, it's my podcast. I'll do what I want. Is he watching it while he's doing it? Outside? I think so. He's outside <laughs> doing a podcast and then he's smoking Marlboro lights. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Mrs. Ron probably kicked him out. Yeah. And he's just like. Yeah, but I just decided that I'd do it outside because I wanted to. And we actually quite, quite. Um, we're almost outside. We're almost outside. We have the window open because it's beautiful in New York right <sighs> what now. What a day. And we also just didn't want to. It's like a nice breeze. That keeps and this blowing is soil much more bed. pleasant than the air conditioner at the moment. Oh, the air conditioner is terrible. Mm-hmm. I hate it, but it's necessary. True story. 
Anyway, anyway. let's get into this. Okay. So we're going to start off with season four, episode five, The Road Less Traveled. Mm. This was uh, written by Mark Verheiden, directed by Michael Reimer, both uh, BSG pros at this point. Mm-hmm. And do you know what's special and sad about this episode? No. It is the only episode. Oh, I guess. Okay. This is a spoiler that someone doesn't die, I guess. It's the only episode in the series without Adama. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Because I think I was just because I took them as a two-parter. Fair. You watched them together and he is in the, the Second next one. one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but that is a spoiler. Thanks a lot. <laughs> now I know. Now you know. You're stuck with Edward Who's James almost until Cylon, the Kaylee? fracking end. No, nah, I wouldn't have thought that he would die anyway. Right? They would be pretty rid- They. They after all that they put us through with Starbuck, like oh no we killed Adama, yeah no he'll be around. All right, <laughs> I have handwritten notes today, so it's like microphone, beer, notebook. What's gonna happen? We don't know. I don't really have any notes, so I'm yeah, just laying here. I'm peak comfort right now. You are. I'm like laying back. I got my beer, windows open. Mm-hmm. It's great. Let's do this. All right. We start on day 58 on the Demetrius. They are not as laid back and comfortable as you are. No. On this repurposed sewage refinement ship. They are all wearing t-shirts and Ronald D. Moore was like, they look really cool in their t-shirts. That's literally what he said. Oh, I didn't even notice. He's like, they're all in t-shirts. So like they're a bit casual and cool. (laughs) I'm like, bless. I did notice. I, I just was remarking in this episode because there are so many of them like, in their little like tank top part of the uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking to myself, what a great costume choice it was to have the entire military have their like arms exposed at all times. Mm-hmm. It's just like a forever ticket to the gun show mm-hmm. and really into it. Yeah, it's great. Like Star Trek has terrible nerdy uniforms and I think they really, they did a good job combating uh the, the nerdiness of sci-fi on this show in many ways, particularly in the costuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're very cool. They all look very sexy. Mm-hmm. And they're all sweaty on this ship. Mm-hmm. All right. So Starbucks uh, doing her arts and craft hours, painting some happy little <laughs> stars. And uh, there's a very Saturn-y looking ring planet that she's been talking about. And uh, Hilo comes in and she's got this just like maniacal smile she's really losing it Mm -hmm. yeah uh she looks like a junkie like she's scratching her arms she has such a big mouth as well that she can look crazy really easily yeah she does what was that on the internet the other day (laughs) someone was like the joker should have really been a woman who had a man tell her had too many men telling her to smile and that's like the whole motivation i'm like please someone make that brilliant please someone make that and then of course i think there were a million men who were like the joker can't be a woman fuck off (laughs) (laughs) oh my god did you see what's his face jeffrey goldberg the head of the atlantic who did this whole thing about how because he's like he did this whole article about how he was putting women at the top at Atlantic because he's such a fucking champion of change. The Atlantic has it's had so some problems. It's so bad. And he's like, oh, you know, it's just really the smart thing to do. 
and blah 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 blah. You've got to you've got to judge women on their potential, not on their history. Blah blah blah. Anyway, he's just so tone deaf and terrible, and he's got this whole thing about how women can't write ten thousand word articles. Wait, I'm sorry. What now? He's like, you know, you look around, and the the ten thousand word cover story. He's like, you know, there's just white men who do them, unfortunately. And someone wrote a comment. They're like. So what you're telling me is that no one can ever write more words than they wrote before? <laughs> like, what the fuck is that logic? And then someone's like, wait till, wait till he hears that some women write books. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so ridiculous. And I actually messaged my boss and was like, can we do a 15? Because uh, he's like, there's 15 authors in each uh, Atlantic magazine. I was like, can we do a 15 author magazine with with like 15, 10,000 word essays done by women and people of color and just dedicated to the Atlantic. Brilliant. <laughs> Please. Oh my God. He was like, I that's a great that. idea. I'm like, cool. So if anybody wants to fund that, hit me up. <laughs> we're, not, we're not really in a position to do that right now, but. But it sounds amazing. It would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, Starbuck and Hilo have some kind of conversation about some space place they've been to before and they're going to go back to again. Anyway. Uh, then we get to group therapy with Gaius. Oh my god, who has fully embraced his cult leader position by donning—is uh, it a purple robe? I think it's a purple robe. Ridiculous! It's so ridiculous. And this woman is like, "You have to explain to me how this is okay that my whole family was massacred." And da 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 da. And he's just like, "I'm so sorry for you," and he hugs her, and like. It seems like that's it. That he goes on to make a big speech, but he's he's doing great. He's yeah. hilarious. I don't know. Maybe there's something to that uh, method of therapy. Just hugs. Just being hugged by James Callis. Oh, like James. I got a lot of things. I'm very stressed. She's right real now. stressed out. If anyone needs your assistance, it's Lisa. I do. Very mm-hmm. stressed. Need hugs. Send hugs. Man, I wish we could have gone to that donut thing. Yeah, would have been so good. I love that we're still talking about it. it but it was the two Throwback of them. Throwback to last episode. It was James Callis. It was Rekha Sharma. It was Katie Sackoff. And oh. it was um, it's the actor who plays Sam. I'm blanking on his name. Oh, I don't know. I'll remember it later. Um, it was the four of them. And like somebody it just it, oh, it looked it looks so wonderful. And I really like donuts. You guys okay? Mm. Um, who doesn't? Who doesn't like a donut? So Gaius makes a big speech that's being broadcast about how the old gods don't really exist. Uh, and he's like, you know, I was persecuted and I prayed and I received nothing. Okay. Mm. Okay, guys. Sure. <laughs> no one's ever had it harder than you. No one. <laughs> um. And then we see that throughout the ship, people are listening to this broadcast, which I guess like in the space apocalypse, there's not a lot of options for what you're listening to on the radio. So why not tune in? Yeah. Uh, Chief has it on. Chief with a new look, by the way. Oh, okay. Fun fact about this. Yeah. Uh, Actually, Aaron Douglas just wanted to shave his head. And he was like, hey, hey, Ronald D. Moore, I really want to shave my head. (laughs) Can I? And he was like, um. I guess it works. Sure. I mean, it was well timed within the series. Like he's going through this yeah. crazy identity crisis, so and it seems him. like a good time for him to make a really intense hair decision. Yeah, this is funny. It's just like one of the most like yeah. He just like he was just like I want to shave my head, and we we're like okay, it works. Sure, nice. great. 
Again, actors have a lot of power on this show. Oh, I can't wait. Um, but he goes to turn the uh, the radio off and then the baby starts crying because the baby is being soothed by the dulcet tones of Guy's Baltar's voice. And I just put my microphone to my mouth and then nodded silently. <laughs> <laughs> We're so good at the podcast medium, mm-hmm. you guys. Um, the crew on the Demetrius is not very happy. One thing pretty grumpy. Yeah. One thing that Ronald D. Moore said in this, which I thought you'd appreciate, is he's like, Celix is really part of the family now. Oh, she is. Isn't that nice? Yeah, she's part of the family because she's as bitchy as the rest of them. It's great. It's like when you get to that point in a job where you're allowed to complain loudly about the work environment. Like, you can't do that in your first week. You have to earn the right to complain. And Celix has done that. Yeah. Yeah. And Starbucks gonna uh, fly this time whatever mission they're doing right now uh it goes out with hot dog and uh they there's a dreadus contact and uh there's a damaged heavy raider and they get a message and you know what it sounds like sounds like fracking leoben does Mm -hmm. what a twist Offering a truce between the humans and the Cylons, mm. which I feel like they tried 40 years ago, but maybe it'll work this time. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of tried it on New, New Caprica in a way. Uh, that was less of a truce and more of a forced dictatorship, but sure. Yeah, but like it was the language that they used. Yeah, this one seems like they're like, you have to sign up for this. We're not going to force you mm. <laughs> anyway. We're up one survivor from last week, so I guess we've had a birth. Uh, 39,676 survivors oh. in space. And then they uh, bring Leoben on board. And he's being a little smiley weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, I keep nodding. <laughs> it's been a week. Uh He's laying out the plan for Starbuck and says that she needs to go and talk to the hybrid who's going to have some kind of message for her about Earth. And the whole crew is has a lot of reservations about bringing mm. him on board in the first place. And then she's like, no, I'm just going to go chat with my former abuser privately in <laughs> my quarters. Um, you guys chill. There's an extra scene in the deleted scenes about with Hilo and Athena. There's also one with Hilo and Starbuck, but nothing really particularly happens that's like of note. But this one was interesting because it's like Athena talking about uh, trusting Leoben and she's like, you can't see past Kara Thrace that you knew in basic training, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, the top of her would be alive. And then she said, she says that this is the first time that I felt accepted since I like oh. came on board in this environment because everybody's mad at Starbuck. It's just like and no one believes that, her. Yeah. No one believes Starbuck. And so they've just taken all the attention off Athena and everyone thinks that Starbuck's a Cylon or crazy. And so Athena's like, this is the first time I felt accepted on a mission. There was a previous episode where something happened with Athena. And I think Hilo, maybe it was Hilo called her out for like, Oh, Oh, it was when yeah. all the, the uh people from the place yep. were sick yeah um he was like yeah if if the whole fleet's talking about them they're not talking about you yeah yeah and so this is basically but this is a deleted scene so interesting I guess it's not canon okay but that's still like a theme that they're playing up 
Very interesting. Uh, yeah. And then we have a scene with Chief in the airlock and Tori comes in and is like, Lola, are you still obsessing about your dead wife? <laughs> you stop. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. She, she went from taking antidepressants to committing suicide. How does that happen? I'm like, that happens all the time. <laughs> One of All the right, main side of, actually one of the main side effects of antidepressants is suicidal thoughts. Um, it's on every commercial. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's not really something to laugh about, but kind of. <laughs> it was just the like the naivety with which he said it. Like, mm. how could someone who's taking antidepressant medication <laughs> still be depressed? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Can. No. A lot. Yeah. No, it happens a lot. <laughs> uh, anyway, and Tori's basically like. I don't know. I guess maybe someone could have killed her or maybe she could have known that you were a Cylon. Just hypothetically speaking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who could ever know? Except the one true God. <laughs> Who you should accept and uh, understand that he has your best interests at heart and that killing your wife was the, the best thing for the universe. But I mean, what does Tori know? Oh, and she's got no, she's got, go ho- she's got no horse in this race. <laughs> she's pretty brazen. Like, I know it was pretty brazen to kill Callie, but also it's pretty it's pretty fucking bold to then go back to the scene of the crime and be like, yeah, maybe someone murdered her right here. <laughs> Who can say? Or it's a brilliant tactic. To take the suspicion away from her. Wouldn't there be something about the key? Like, because when Callie had the key, it was in the airlock. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. But didn't Tyrrell say something about that? I don't remember. Oh, well, who cares? Anyway. Um, but just, Tori, no one wants to join your cult. <laughs> the cult of she's so, She's like, you know, have you ever had a friend who suddenly very fervently believe something and that's all they want to talk about. I used to work with a chick who was like really into Herbalife. Like selling it? Yeah, it's like an MLM. Oh God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so she was like so into it. She'd go to like conferences. This is when I was in Australia. She had like conferences in the US and every time something was like slightly wrong with you, she's like, oh man, you've got to take this supplement and like, oh, you're not feeling, oh, you should have this smoothie. And like, it was just like a lot. Yikes. I feel like stuff like that has happened. Like, not even just that, but like other things I'm trying to think. Or like, oh, and people like get really into meditation mm. and you're like, cool, I get it. It's really effective for you. And like, that's amazing. And I'm super happy for you. But like, also like every problem I have is not going to be solved by this. Like, yeah, they're always like, oh, you know, do you meditate? And I'm like, no, no, I've never tried it. I've never tried it. Like, come on. It doesn't solve everything. Yeah, I have tried it. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> I have tried meditation. No, 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 and it doesn't work for me. Landmark. Do you know Landmark? Le- what's Landmark? It's a like personal development thing. And everybody who does it, you can tell. They use certain language and then you're like, oh, you're a Landmark person. Then eventually be that's, like, when I was at Landmark, that's and you're what like, a cult I does. knew. And I'm like, I always, I'm just like, it's a cult. And they're like, well, it really helped me. I'm like, great, but it's a cult. And like, that's great. I'm super happy that it helped you. Like, I'm very happy for you, but also it's a cult. 
I have a friend who got really into Tony Robbins. Oh, yeah. One of my friends is into Tony Robbins. Who... But like, not in a culty way. But his things, he uses a lot of cult tactics at his events. Yeah. And also, there was, there was some leaked audio that recently came out that proved him to be a real son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Freckin' misogynist. Yeah. Total misogynist. Yeah. My best friend is like, reads his books and stuff. Like, but she's not really... If you got some cool, insight like. from him, that's great. But he's not a good dude. Nope. Nope. All right. Speaking of not good dudes, so many, what's the next so scene? many not good dudes. There's oh, it, there's going to be one in every scene. No, that's what I thought. Yeah, I was just like rolling a dice there on the segue. Uh, this one, oh, this scene opens with Leoben doing sexy painting with Starbuck, where he has his hand around her hip and his other hand like guiding her like hand, ghost. kind of. Except he's really there. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird and creepy because he he kidnapped her and abused her. <laughs> And she's just like, really, that's fine. really should, frightening. You should hear what he has to say. Ooh, questionable. Um, and Sam, I guess, was on. He was out flying somewhere and has returned and uh, goes in the room and just immediately punches him. Fair. Knocks him to the ground. Totally fair. He had, he went and rescued Starbuck from the place. He mm. saw the place. It was mm. a scary place. Mm-hmm. Um. Hilo comes in too and they lock up Leoben and then Sam goes to visit him and their little whatever they've rigged to be the the Brig and the Demetrius. <laughs> I um, love that they made one. Yeah, or maybe there was just I don't know, an extra room or something. <laughs> um with locks on the door. Sure. <laughs> and some bars and stuff, it seems like. Sam kind of like interrogates him but is still doing that thing that they're all doing now where you're like am I a Cylon though? <laughs> but can you tell if I'm a Cylon? <laughs> Why are you talking about music? Um, and Leoben knows who he is too. He's like Seabuck's rule. <laughs> uh, and talks about Sam's destiny as well because everybody's got a destiny now and talks about clarity which seems to be a thing, a theme that keeps coming up people being able to see their fate clearly or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he he drops that, oh, the Salons are in the middle of a civil war. <laughs> uh, and he proposes an alliance. So I guess the Cylons that are on his side of things and the humans can find Earth together. And so everyone comes back out into like the main room to debate this. Gata's like, oh, so the Cylons want us to save them? That's novel. (laughs) He's so snarky. And then they're all kind of talking about mutiny, which has been building. And Hilo is really not about it. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting that Athena, I think, has the less trust in the Cylons than anybody. Uh, That happens, though. Hmm. Yeah. Are you thinking of some specific example or just generally? Oh, I mean, you could just generally look at it. Like I was thinking of what example I could give, but it's like, I feel like people overcompensate. It's like the girl who's like really cool with the guys and like, she's going to be the one who's like, oh my God, like, like being like, I don't want to use that example, but like, I also didn't want to use a particular like example of, you know, racial stuff. I'm, I'm sure it happens like in war and stuff. If you've got someone who's come from the other side or, it's like, okay, here's a better example. It's like guys who are secretly gay but don't want to be gay and so they're super homophobic. Mm. They're like, oh, my God, gay things are gross. Yeah, there <laughs> is some overcompensation that happens. Gay porn. There's also like, 
like a certain I think a certain amount of like I can speak badly about my own people mm. oh yeah for sure yeah it's like um well I mean I think that theme is really present like in the second episode where six shoots her own yeah. person it's like well you can't but I can it's like when people talk shit on Adelaide like I can but you can't because if you say anything bad about it I will defend it to the ends of the earth but I will never fucking live there again but yeah. how dare you do you do the same thing about Long Island? I do somewhat, but I don't need so any. So we have proven our point. I don't really need anybody who's not from there to be like, ugh, Long Islanders. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. If I try to be nice about New Jersey. Yeah, I'm kind of over the whole everyone in New York hates on New Jersey thing. It's tired. It's worn out. Same thing. I lived in Virginia for a while and everyone in Virginia does that thing where they're overcompensating about not being West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we don't fuck our cousins. Like, it's enough. Yeah. Anyway. So Tori's not crying during sex anymore. (laughs) Or at least not that we see. She's giggling. Mm -hmm. She's having a great time. Um, I do love their little like post-coital scene. It's It's nice. Yeah. But she's, Gaius is like, I assume you haven't told the president about my broadcast. And she's like, no, I totally told her. I told her to tell Adama. Everybody knows. (laughs) (laughs) And Gaius gets so salty about it. It's all pouty. (laughs) So funny. She's like, get dressed. (laughs) You have people waiting for you. (laughs) She's great. Yeah. She's like, I don't know. It's weird what they're doing with her character, but I I really enjoy a lot of what she's experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Less less so the murderous part of her, but um, or the just like fervent cult follower part of her. But she is coming into her own in other ways that mm-hmm. I really enjoy, and she doesn't like worship him in the way that the other girls do, mm. which I think he. Is annoyed about and also respects. Like I think that's, that's a why. Yeah, that's why he has you. this relationship like with her. Yeah. <laughs> and join us as for the next few weeks, Lisa compares everything that happens on Battlestar Galactica to the L word. Well, I mean, they got enough crossover actors. There, man, to be a extra in Canada in the early to mid two thousands. It's great. What fun. Um, I, it's a, Battlestar Galactica is a weird version of the apocalypse in that there's time for stuff like self-help gurus. <laughs> Cause like, let's be real. There would be one that, no, there would be. Honestly, I think cults would have some of the best chances at surviving the apocalypse. Cause they're very like self-contained and they already have their own leadership structure and nobody's like, vying for power in a system that where the power dynamics already like exist a lot of them i feel like are off the grid and farming their own food or whatever i think cults would do very well in the apocalypse so what you're saying is that a you think that what's what i'm looking for uh, a dictatorship is a good form of government in in a post-apocalyptic world because yeah i I don't think that's any radical interpretation of the text uh and i just uh, think that they wouldn't survive a fucking nuclear blast just because they're off the grid i'm not saying a nuclear blast i'm saying like uh, some sort of walking dead zombie situation okay like i get what you mean yeah if the yeah if i'm not talking about 
if a bomb gets dropped on them, the power of their beliefs will save them. Well, I think just that's like exactly if, what you're saying. If government collapses, cults are set up to be self-sufficient. I don't think it's good. I just think it's a reality. Anyway, it's a weird... Like, everyone in the military is, like, working around the clock and fighting for their lives every day. And all the civilians have nothing to do. <laughs> true. Except, I guess, occasionally, um, I'm good right now. Thank you. I'm still I working. was going to drink from the can. I'm still working on my sour beer. Is that gross? No. You don't mind if I drink from the can? I think we're way past that at this point. Okay, cool. Yeah. That made it sound like... <laughs> <laughs> I meant like we've shared beers and ice cream okay, and snacks cool. and stuff. Good I Lord. just didn't want any of our listeners to get the wrong idea. <laughs> um, so Chief comes in to spy on Guys' little meeting or possibly join it. Who knows? He's going through a lot. <laughs> and Ty comes to collect him because they just are all always in the same room together now. And... Uh, you have an intense little conversation and chief calls him out for visiting six every day, which like fair. Um, and it's interesting that they all kind of represent different points on the scale of like how, what to do when you realize you're a Cylon. <laughs> like Ty is very much still like, I'm going to do what I always do. And I haven't changed. I'm still the same guy. Like da da da. Uh, chief, is the extreme of like not accepting yourself and going through a massive crisis. And Tori is the other end of the spectrum, like fully embracing her new identity. It's, I like what they did there. Mm. And then Sam's pretty chill about it. Except for the, except for when he like over the red thing. Oh, I wanted to yeah. see what he did so bad. I know. I was like, ah, what would have happened? Um, I don't know. It's still a big secret. Like, I simultaneously knew that he wouldn't do it, but wanted him to do it so bad. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, they're going to do this to me. It's terrible. And then I'm like, oh. No, I think that's that's just good drama. Uh, And then I don't even want, I don't even want to talk about this scene. It's very sad. I don't want to talk about it. Ronald D. Moore is very sad. <sighs> To kill Matthias. <laughs> and actually, fun fact, Matthias was named after a, a football player from his hometown. Yeah, we, we talked about, about that, that at one point. He mentioned it again. It's nice. It's, it's like, cute. I was sad to do that. And I'm like, then don't do it. I think this is the first time we ever hear her first name, which is Aaron. Aaron Matthias. Uh, she's doing an EVA, is that what it's called? And checking out the Cylon ship and... Uh, there's an explosion and she's no longer with us and I'm really not happy about it. It's not good. She's my favorite occasional badass. Yes. She's every time she she's not there every episode, but when she is, she's, she's the most amazing. badass. Yeah, it's very sad. Matthias, pour one out for you, but not literally because we're on the bed and we've spilled enough beer on this bed in the past. We have. Mm hmm. Uh, so guys has another meeting with his followers. He comes out and they applaud and he's like, what are you all doing here? So there was a deleted scene before this. I think it kind of looks like it could have been the last scene of the show, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be here where Gaius and six are talking and she had six. Yes. Okay. 
Did I say six or did I say something else? You just said six, but they six. have Caprica oh, six yeah, yeah, on yeah. the ship, so I wanted Sorry. to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Gaius and Head Six are talking, and she says, as one journey it begins, the other must end. And he's like, you're leaving me. Oh, yeah. I read about this. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess that's they decided just to not go with that story. I think... They contemplated ending head six in this episode and then they decided against that is what I read. Thank goodness. (laughs) I don't know. I can't speak to how much head six we're going to get in the future, but um, I think they abandoned their idea to to end her in episode five. But he's really embracing his role as cult leader. Like what a little what a little charmer. Uh, he calls out Tyrrell's like there and he goes to leave and he calls out to him like, Mr. Tyrrell, come and take my hand. It's what Callie would have wanted. I'm like, uh, you didn't know her, though. Like, you genuinely didn't. No. Um, and he comes up and uh, it's like, yeah, I'll give you my hand on your throat, mother fracker. And he goes, he like starts choking him out. And I think somebody pulls him off and then he runs away and goes to his quarters where thankfully baby Nikki is not there, I'm assuming, because he's thinking about shooting himself. Yeah, I think with this scene with Tyrrell and Balta, I can't remember exactly what the difference was between the script and the actor, but this is an actor improvised scene in a way. And it's really funny because they both came to Ronald D. Moore on the day of shooting and he was like, and they were like, we think you should be done this way. And he was like, no, fuck you. You can't change the script now. It's my fucking script. Like, he was like, really like, fuck you about it. It's exactly the way he put it as well. He's like, fuck no. You're not changing it on the day of the script. And then they recorded it with the Tyrrell and um, uh, Gaius version and then the version that was scripted. And he watched it and he was like, oh, no, they were right. <laughs> I just love that little anecdote because he was so like blatant about I bet I think that cast strength was really getting to him at this point. Uh, he was really blatant about the fact that he'd been like, fuck no. So and you just imagine him like he seems like such a nice guy, but I also think he probably does it sometimes get a bit like heated. Yeah, no. And it sounds like the filming of this was pretty intensive and grueling. Like, yeah. I think they put in a, a crazy amount of hours when they were filming. For sure. and probably everyone's exhausted. But I just love that he was like, fuck no. How dare you? And then they did it anyway. Like they did both versions. Sure. And he was like, oh, <laughs> you were totally right. This is way better. <laughs> Well, also credit, I guess, to the director of the to Michael Reimer, who would have allowed that to (laughs) be filmed. Yeah. Who clearly saw something or at least was Mm. like, let's make the actors happy and let them do it their way once. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Starbuck goes in to finally open and starts just kicking his ass uh, because she thinks it the the thing with the Raider was a setup and it was supposed to explode. Um, and he maintains that it was just an accident, which I believe. Yeah. That the ship was just really damaged. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just got shot. So yeah, we've seen way more of the Cylon world than they have. So I think we know to weirdly trust Leo, but in this moment more mm. than Starbuck does. Um, but he has this whole conversation with her about how like, Oh, you, this the stuff that you used to do and getting drunk on ambrosia and fracking everyone like it's not what you it doesn't fulfill you anymore. And now all that fulfills you is um, taking the next step in your journey. There's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Starbuck, not the greatest preacher at a funeral. 
not the most comforting as it no turns out <laughs> she's just like her death was stupid and meaningless nothing matters we all have to feel bad about it <laughs> which she's not wrong no and it would be weird if they made starbuck come out with some preachy flowery words um yeah not the most comforting though uh, and she decides, no, they're not going to rendezvous with the fleet. They are going to jump to the Cylon ship. It's not a decision that's well received. <laughs> um, and then this kid, I wrote his name down somewhere. He does a mutiny. Uh, and Hilo knocks him out. Who is this kid? Pike? Pike. Pike does a mutiny and Hilo <laughs> knocks him out. And there's like really intense drum music here. There's a lot of good stuff from Bear McCreary in these mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, and then we have uh, Disguise Gaius going to <laughs> see Chief. He just pulls a hoodie over his luxurious hair and assumes he won't be recognized, I guess. Well, maybe it was this scene that they had something different. Anyway, it was one of the scenes with Gaius and Tyrrell. All right. Uh, he goes in on his own and... Um, Asks forgiveness from Chief, who does this whole scene with the gun, like, just resting on his belly, which is kind of intense and weird. And it seems like a really honest moment from Gaius here, but still it's like, "Ah, I have this chance at redemption and I've accepted my fate. And like, but of course your fate is being a cult leader. (laughs) Um. Chief doesn't say a word in the scene, but he does like reach out his hand to Gaius. This is the scene. Okay. Because originally there was dialogue between the two characters. No, I thought it was an interesting choice that Chief doesn't say anything. So yeah. So re- well I think done, this is a scene. Actors. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I knew it was one of the ones with them. Yeah, I think this is a scene. It was like there was supposed to be there was a whole script of dialogue between them. And they were like, I don't think that Tyrrell would speak. <laughs> and I think that was the right choice. Yeah. It was it was interesting and it, it was noticeable that he didn't speak. Mm. Um, I think it was a strong choice, so I approve. Uh, so Hilo, who just knocked Pike out for trying to mutiny, is now going to also do a mutiny. Um, he's like trying to convince Starbuck to reconsider before he has to do it. Um, but he's like, no, I can't obey that command. And Starbuck's like, then you're relieved and Gata, you do the thing and Gata won't do it. And Hilo, uh, is like, no, I'm relieving you of your command. Yeah. This was like a scene in the show and Ronald D. Moore said the name of the show and I missed it. It was something Kane. I don't know. Good anecdote. <laughs> Yep, that's where I am. It's like a scene from another thing. Yeah. The end. The end. And the end. Uh, we leave off at a to be continued, which is why we're justifying doing two episodes in a row this time. Yes. Which may or may not be split up. We shall see. We'll see how long we ramble in season four, episode six, Faith. Are you doing the frat counts all together? Uh, oh, I guess I should do them separate. Might as well. So part one, we have nine fracks. Uh, one from Hot Dog, three from Hilo, one from Celix, two from Starbuck, two from Pike. And our Cylons are Athena, Leoban, Sam, Tori, Tyrell, and Ty. Yeah. 
I'm waiting for a moment when you accidentally say the next Cylon in your counts. Like I'm just, I'm always paying really close attention to that never particular bit. It, never gonna do it. Yeah, okay. Never gonna do it. Never gonna do it. Um, I'm not gonna do it. Now it's time for a breakdown. Never gonna get it. 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 